This past week, Nate, the kids, and I were having the sort of family dinner that has been typical of our home life this past year. Thank you, Daddy, for dinner. Hi, Mommy and Daddy. I just finished vacuuming. I set the table, and I did a load of laundry, and I put all my clothes away. It just makes me feel happy. As usual, my cooking was received with nothing but gratitude. I appreciate everything you do as parents. I appreciate how you upcycle this mac and cheese with minced rosemary and a dash of white vinegar to add acidity. What can I do to help? Can I clear your plate so I can load the dishwasher after? So obviously that wasn't real. Wouldn't it be nice if our lives were as perfectly staged as the typical holiday greeting card? Here's a more honest picture of what evenings at the Davis house have looked like. While I'm out in the backyard writing shed, editing audio for that week's episode, or coaching one of our Kasama Collective trainees through getting their episode script from third draft to fourth draft, Nate is stress cooking, reminding himself to do some deep breathing while the girls fight over the markers, and Gabe protests that his sisters did not wash their hands for the requisite 30 seconds after using the bathroom. Nate roots through the non-perishables from the cupboard, which, yes, do often include that upcycled mac and cheese with rosemary and a dash of white wine that Fantasy Mateus so appreciated. And Grace complains that despite being around her friends at school all day and in the constant presence of her siblings, she is so lonely and really wants to play with someone. Gabe retreats to his room with a copy of Hombre Perro and pretends not to hear when Nate asks him to do his homework. Meanwhile, the water is boiling on the stovetop, and Matea eagerly places the stool in front of the stove so she can help Nate cook while dispensing four-year-old wisdom. Do you know cheese are made of salad? Do you know scars are made of lightsabers? Do you know mommy tries faster than daddy? Busted. By the time dinner is actually served, Matea has located the kid scissors and in a matter of seconds covered the dining room table and floor with tiny scraps of paper that are just small enough to make picking them up by hand difficult, but just big enough to clog up the vacuum. Too fried to walk the 20 feet to the shed, I text Laura a single food emoji to notify her that dinner is ready and serve my not-so-easy mac, which is met with complaints and picking out herbs, sautéed onions, or whatever I put in to jazz it up. How can this be? Why do I have a little scup in the wood? Ah, where are my clapping shoes? I can't take this anymore. Ah. That I-can't-take-this-anymore feeling and the feeling of being surprised by insights like what trees really are made of are things that all five of us have shared this year. So for this audio holiday card, you'll hear from each of us about the things we loved, the things we wish were different, and what we hope for in the coming year. In the Davis family, we think about everything from podcast episodes to life in terms of story. So in this story, our reflections follow three big themes, creativity, community, and commitment. We'll start with Matea, who has a lot to say about creativity. In the midst of dealing with frustrations of misplacing her clapping shoes and tolerating the horrible inconvenience of drinking out of the littlest cup in the world, Matea has learned a lot this past year about creativity. She's a beginner at everything, and she's still young enough to understand that being a beginner can actually be really fun. She's too young to care if she's good at the things she tries, and even when it doesn't work out, there's always the chance to try again. 
I love cutting things with paper. Unicorn cutting my hair. Did you cut your hair? Yes. Did you have permission to cut your hair? No. Is it very short now? Yes. Did you also cut Greta's hair? Yes. Was she happy about that? No. Did she also cut your hair? Yes. Matea has learned already what it takes many of us a lifetime to learn. Life, like creativity, is messy. Often we have to try a lot of things that don't work before we land in the one that finally does. Matea's almost five. She has no memory of life before COVID. Her world is very small, just her two siblings, Nate and me, and since August, a handful of classmates at her Spanish-speaking preschool. Her friend Greta lives three blocks away and has been in her life since infancy. At this point, they're more like siblings than friends. Sometimes they hurt each other or make mistakes. Sometimes they're creative messes to clean up. Sometimes my friend Greta, I ask her that I would give her her doll back, but she still didn't want her doll back because I wrote my name on the doll. Greta, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I love you, Greta. Whether it's through unauthorized haircuts or podcast episodes, creativity has gotten all of us through some very difficult times. It's reminded us that it's okay to be messy. It doesn't mean that we're broken, just that we're human. Shelter in Place began on March 17, 2020, as a COVID time capsule to get me through what I thought would be a couple of hard weeks with the kids at home. If you listen to those early episodes, you can hear me get better. You can hear my voice become more confident. You can tell when I started to learn how to edit my own audio and how to mix in music and sound effects. You can hear me get more comfortable as a host and as an interviewer. You can hear me learn to trust myself. You can hear the evolution of our family too, how Nate started doing this work with me, how even our kids occasionally got in on things and embraced the podcast as a key part of our life together. Hello, Mr. Mickey the Mike. I'm Gabriel and I'm almost 10 years old. Gabe has probably been the person in our family who has changed the most since this pandemic began. I don't really remember how life was before the pandemic. It's been so long ago. Those of you who've been listening know that our story of traveling to Massachusetts and back again in the span of a single year was the backdrop for season two and what we called our pandemic odyssey. We'd reached a breaking point as a family. And as a kid who was struggling in school even before it went online, Gabe was feeling the brunt of that breakdown the most. One of the best parts of that year was getting to see Gabe revive and embrace life in a way that we'd never seen before. We spent the first half of 2021 in Massachusetts and the second half back in Oakland. I asked Gabe what the past year was like for him. Sometimes really annoying, sometimes really fun. There was a lot of time being on the road, that's for sure. Being in the car, maybe a bit of watching TV, being a bit bored, a bit cramped, just looking out the window. We got to see some of our aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents even. For Gabe, the most important part of this last year can be summed up in one word. Community. Community. We didn't really have many friends in Massachusetts. But Gabe says this was okay because he had his sisters. I asked if he felt like his sisters had become friends. We were always friends. <laughs> this was a good reminder to me. 
that the kids still see each other as friends, even though it feels like they've spent a lot of the past year together squabbling and getting on each other's nerves. But that's real friendship. Sometimes you annoy each other. Sometimes life together feels a bit cramped, but you work through those things. Hopefully you come out on the other side closer. Gabe says he does miss certain things about our life in Massachusetts. I miss being with my grandparents and some of our aunts and uncles. And I miss shoveling snow. But also, he's glad to be back home. For now, home for me is Oakland, California. I'm really glad to be back in Oakland because I get to see my friends more often and also my new teachers and neighbors and house and... It's home to me because we have a good community. Our community, which has ranged from grandparents on the East Coast, to neighbors in Oakland, to our Kasama Collective trainees all over the nation, to listeners of this show all over the world, has kept us together and connected when we're feeling discouraged and alone. The ground beneath our 914 square foot home in Oakland is mostly clay, so the drainage is terrible. And the French drain, installed long ago, is clogged with our neighbor's tree roots. Heavy rains always mean a lake in our backyard patio and flooding in our unfinished basement. We're in Wisconsin now with Laura's family for the holidays, but seeing almost a week straight of rain forecast for Oakland while we were gone, I was thinking thoughts of quiet desperation. So I texted my neighbor Scott to ask if he could stop by to check on the basement. The funny thing is, Scott doesn't even fit in the basement. The ceiling's about 5'8", and Scott is 6'5", but he stooped in, ran the pumps, and FaceTimed me with a report. He also volunteered to set up an extra webcam so we could monitor the situation from afar. His rain-jacketed face, service, and impromptu solution was a picture of our life. Creative solution, community, and choice. Thank you, Scott, for being a true neighbor and for helping make our house a home. I hope you have a fun time. Hi, this is Grace. I'm seven years old. I really like writing letters and making cards because it's fun and I like to draw and I like to write a lot and it just makes me feel happy when other people know that someone's there, that someone loves them. Sometimes Grace and I joke that she's training for a future in podcasting. She loves telling stories. If you've been listening, then you have occasionally heard Grace in our outtakes, our little Easter egg for anyone who listens beyond the end credits. I think it's really fun because I like hearing myself talking. One of the things I like about it is the outtakes. Funny little things that make people laugh at the very end, so you have to listen to the whole thing, and then you get to listen to the outtake. Of all our kids, Grace missed home the most while we were away, and so I asked Grace how she feels now that we've been back for half a year. I like it because I really missed my home, but also I'm a little sad because I liked the winter and I liked snow and I like being my grandparents and my uncle and aunt. Right now, for me, home is in Oakland. What makes it home is that I have a family and I have a house and I have lots of friends that I know and I know Oakland a lot. I like it because that's where I was born, and maybe that's where I'm going to grow up. One of the hardest aspects of this past year was living under the looming shadow of this great question, from Massachusetts to Minnesota, Madison to Montana. 
Is this where we should really be living? There's one thing I took away from our 12,000 miles of driving across the country and back. It's that there are plenty of good places to make a life, but no one perfect place. In all those places, and the many others we visited, beloved friends and family were making good lives for themselves, with more space, less stress, and lower cost of living. It caught my attention that even our kids have internalized some of life's uncertainty. When we asked Gabe and Grace where home was, they both included the phrase, for now. With wildfires, they know that Oakland may not be forever. There's a degree of contradiction in calling a place home that may become uninhabitable within their lifetimes. Yet living with everything up in the air makes it impossible to be grounded. Yet we could also say that this past year has simply highlighted what has always been true. We never really have control over our lives. We can't know everything. But a few weeks ago, we were out on a family hike in the Oakland Hills. Grace is often the person in our family who reminds me how important it is to slow down, to give each other hugs, to tell each other what we're grateful for, or just sit still long enough to breathe. She started telling me about something called Tres Corazones that she learned from her second grade teacher. She said she does it sometimes when she's feeling angry or sad or bored. Why it's called Tres Corazones is because if you do this, you get a heart. And, and also the first step to do it is you put your hands together, kind of like when you're praying right in the middle of your chest. And then you go up slowly above your head and reach as tall as you can go. And then you go back down, over, and then you kind of come up and do it again. And you do it three times, so that's what's tres, and then corazones, because it's basically like a heart except a line in the middle. And then the second step is you close your eyes for a little bit, and then when you're ready, you can slowly open them. I learned it from my teacher, and then I decided to tell it to my family. She's seven, so she still fights with her siblings and has whiny days and feels grumpy about life, just like the rest of us. And yet she's already way ahead of me when it comes to learning to manage life's challenges. And this usually helps a lot when you're like angry at someone. My family, our tradition is to try to do it every time we get in the car. A lot of the times, Matea gets angry because she lost something. I'm like, oh, fine, I'll help. And then Gabe gets angry and then I get angry and I feel like it's not fair. And then mommy's like, oh, why don't we do tres corazones? And I always get to lead it. I really like leading that. My kids, who have no memory of pre-pandemic life, in some ways know how to live life better than I ever did. Those three words that have framed this past year for our family, creativity, community, and commitment, have felt like our own tres corazones. The words that are deep in our hearts. The words that have guided us in the times when we felt lost. That last word, commitment, may be the most important one of all. Community, friends and family, our city, our church, this work, are some of the most important things we've built our life around. They each have some wonderful strengths, but they aren't perfect. And we now know enough to know they never will be. And yet, we choose them. We choose this city, and we choose this community, and we choose this family, and we choose this church, and we choose this work. I've said often that if I'd had any idea what I was getting myself into, trying to make a profitable business from a podcast that people get for free, I never would have had the courage to do it. But I don't regret it. 
It's called us to commitment like we've never known before that forced us to ask ourselves why we were doing this in the first place. Not just the podcast, but everything we were doing in life. We're halfway through our third season and in the top 1% of all podcasts globally. This fall, we won the Changing the World One Moment at a Time Award at the International Women's Podcast Awards. And just this past week, we received an honorable mention at the Golden Crane Awards. We just opened registration for Arkasama Labs, a self-paced version of Arkasama Collective audio storytelling course. But none of those things would have happened without commitment. To all of you who have made one-time or monthly donations, I'm not exaggerating when I say that you have kept the lights on at Shelter in Place. For all of you who have listened and subscribed to the show and then shared it with friends, thank you. For all of you who are here for the first time, in the podcasting world, downloads are everything. The good news about all of those accolades is that it's opened the door for conversations with advertisers and sponsors, people who can actually help us get paid. Taking a few minutes to spread the word about our show to your friends and family this holiday season could make the difference in us being able to continue this work in the coming year. But we're still doing this work first and foremost for the joy of it because it's given us a way to see others and feel seen during a time when real connection is hard to come by. I hope you have a good Christmas or whatever you celebrate. On the other hand, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I hope you have a fun Christmas and that you make other people feel loved and other people make you feel loved. As we bring our audio Christmas card to a close, we wanted to end with a song from our friend Eric Gilbert. Eric recorded this song in his house with his daughter, Audrey. The first time I heard this song, it made me cry. It felt like someone had finally put to voice all of the longing and disappointment and grief and joy and hope of this pandemic year. If you heard our very first episode of 2021, Welcome to the Party, it's the song that closed that episode. I think a lot of us had hoped that we'd be done with this pandemic by now, but a year later, we're still waiting. A couple of weeks ago, I heard the song again, and once again, it made me cry, not just because it embodied so many of the things that I'd felt this past year, but because it was beautiful. So I asked Eric if I could share it with you once again. I hope that whatever you're celebrating this season, the song will speak to you, that it'll give voice to your longing and your cries for help, and that for a few moments, you'll be transported by its beauty.
you're still listening here's a little outtake this is my cousin lyle and he's eight and a half and a half hi my name is lucia i'm six years old i love to play outside in the grass and see the chickens with lyle and there's lots of things that i like to do with lyle We've gotten closer since the pandemic, and just everybody's in their houses now, so, yeah. I feel like we've become friends. He shares his stuffies with me. Yeah, sometimes we still fight. We still fight sometimes. Well, I want to say playing with my sister and just having a huge house, that makes it a home. Like, we run around the house and outside, and we ride bikes, and that's super fun. Who are the other people that live at your house? My mom, my sister, my grandpa, my my grandma, my great-grandma, and my dad. Grandma Marie is 99 right now, almost 100. It's just amazing how old she's gotten to live. I hope that they all have a really good Christmas. That everybody would have a happy, happy New Year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. (laughs) 